0: I'm David Todd, and welcome to the Bucks Thug Out Podcast. I
1: know
0: I know I know welcome to the Bucks Thug Out Podcast. I'm Charlie Wilmoth here with David Todd, and last night we had our first major Pirates trade of the season. They sent Robbie Grossman, Colton Kane, and Rudy Owens to the Astros. In exchange for left handed starting pitcher Wandy Rodriguez and some salary relief from him. So we're gonna spend most of the podcast today talking about that deal. David, what are your what are your initial impressions?
1: Charles, a huge enthusiasm, man. It's uh it's a beautiful day in Pittsburgh today. The Steelers report training camp. The Pirates have a first pitch, and I'm going to the game. Couldn't be more excited. I couldn't be more excited about the deal here. First of all, I, I think it's important to say, I don't know that a GM's objective is to go out and fleece another team. You want, I think you want people around baseball to say, this is a good deal for both teams. And I think that's the case here. I really do think this is a good deal for both teams. If you look at the Astros, they have traded in the last couple of days uh, or the last week or two, Carlos Lee, they traded Brett Myers to the white Sox. They traded a package of Brandon, uh, Lyon, David Carpenter, and uh, Jay, Happ to Jay Happ to the uh, Blue Jays, and now they had one guy left. And the one guy left was Wendy Rodriguez, and you knew he was going to go. And Lunau, the, the new GM, has come in there, and he does the deal now. And I think Jed Lowry is the highest-paid guy in their payroll at a million and a half. So the key here is they could absorb kind of, as you called it, salary relief. So they could pay a fair amount of this salary. So then Neil Huntington's looking at the deal. He gets a guy who is going to slot in this year – more importantly, really, and this is more important, next year and 2014 now, because when the trade happened, the player option for Rodriguez went from being a team option to a player option, and he's not going to turn down a $13 million option in 2014. I can't imagine. Uh, or if he does, it means he pitched absolutely the, the best baseball in the history of the world in 2013, which would obviously benefit the Pirates. So <clears throat> you have a guy for the next two two years and two months of this season uh, you're going to pay him a million seven this year, and it's, essentially it's not eight and eight the next two years, but I think it's seven and a half, eight and a half, I think it's eight and a half, seven and a half mm-hmm. after that. So for the Pirates, they get a guy who uh, is going to be a front half of the rotation starter at roughly eight million dollars a year. So from that perspective, it is a great deal for the Pirates. Rodriguez is a guy who let, let's address some of the concerns. He's 33. He had a little bit of arm and elbow trouble at the beginning of last year but he will have pitched uh i think after he makes uh, a couple more starts he'll hit 190 innings for four or five years in a row he's a durable guy in a sense like paul mahalem's a durable guy he'll go out there and and give you the innings every year he throws uh, around uh 89 90 miles an hour with his fastball he's a curveball and there's some speculation jay jaffe wrote a good article uh that i posted on the blog the most recent entry that i did that talks about how wandy's k rate is down a little bit but with the pitching with the arm injuries maybe he had changed his approach a little bit this year the velocity's not down he's got a lower strikeout rate but he also has a lower walk rate and a higher ground ball rate i think his ground ball rate's up 10 to 15 percent and neil huntington last night in his post-game interview on television noted that you know he he commented on all these things the pirates are certainly aware of what they have in rodriguez he's going to slot in beautifully uh next year at the front of the rotation between james mcdonald and aj burnett would be my guess with just jeff carson's being the fourth starter and then of course you know maybe later in the year garrett cole's your fifth starter so uh charlie i'll let you expound on it and we'll continue with this whole theme but for me i think it's a really good deal for the pirates he's not too expensive Again, Bob Nutting has shown the willingness to spend money. It's only a million seven this year, but uh, good stuff in terms of the prospects given up. I agree with the write-up that you had. Owens is going to be a back-end guy. I wish him success. I'm not, you know, I, I'm not a guy who says I hope Rudy Owens doesn't do well for for the Astros. Go, go do well and go do it in the American League. Robbie Grossman, who I got to interview Friday, I think is the upside. Jay Jaffe called, uh, excuse me, Kevin Goldstein called Colton Kane the upside guy in the deal. Uh, I would kind of disagree with that. I think Colton Kane is the wild card in the deal, and I think Robbie Grossman is the upside guy in the deal. And as we know, Keith Law is very high on Grossman. He likes him probably uh, a little bit better than Starling Marte, to put it in perspective. Now, he's different than the industry, but let's realize that there are people out there who think Robbie Grossman has some pretty big upside.
0: Right. Well, let's maybe talk about a little bit more about the players. Uh, the Pirates gave up a little bit later and uh, just focus a little bit on on Rodriguez for now regarding his approach you know the the difference in his strikeout rate is between this year and last it's is worth noting but it's not really so great at this point that I'm overly worried about it especially since as you noted his velocity isn't down um you know this only happened a few hours ago we you know we, we haven't had a ton of time to, to process all this but I, I watched a little bit of him pitching this year um, last night, and I watched a little bit of him pitching last year, and it seemed to me that the difference between the two seasons is that his curve, his curveball, which is his best pitch, did not break quite as hard this year, which would probably explain both why his strikeout rate is down and why his walk rate is down as well, because if it it, it you know breaks a little bit less, he probably has a little bit more control over it. So. You know, I, I went to Brooks Baseball and basically confirmed that his his curveball is breaking less than it did in the past. So, so I think that might be a factor. However, he's he's pretty much the same pitcher, and it's been pretty much the same level of effectiveness. I, I think that if at this point in his career, if Wandy Rodriguez is your second best starter, then your rotation is probably pretty mediocre. Uh, but if he's your third best starter, as he probably will be with the Pirates you're probably in pretty good shape. So what the Pirates are really getting here is a very good um, mid-rotation guy, a a weak number two starter or a good number three starter. Uh, And that has a lot of value to the organization, as you pointed out, both this year going down the stretch when he'll solidify the, the rotation and prevent us all from tearing our hair out over Kevin Correa, and next year, and maybe we could talk a little bit more about the implications for next year, because that's something we've addressed on the podcast before. Basically, we were, we were looking at a very uncertain rotation picture in 2013.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. And, and you correctly pointed out that Charlie Morton's going to be an arbitration guy. He, he could be a non-tender guy for the yeah. Pirates.
0: I, I think he will be, probably.
1: And, and possibly come back on a minor league deal. I think that was good insight by you when you mentioned that a couple podcasts ago. Kevin Cray has gone. <clears throat> Whether he makes it through the end of the year... It looks like, you know, he's been, uh, let's be very clear about this. Correa's last last four starts have been good. Uh, uh, good. Good in the sense of serviceable. Good in the sense of Kevin Correa good. So I, I posted this article, Charlie, and you and I had a chuckle about it the other night, that he said he's, you know, flipped the switch and changed his approach, and now he's a strikeout pitcher. <laughs> I mean, I'm paraphrasing, right? But yeah. he ha- does 11 strikeouts in his last 11 innings, and I am really intrigued to watch him today to see if he can, you know, put up five, six, seven strikeouts on the board. I, I don't expect it, but if he does it, it certainly will be interesting. Having said that, I have no doubt that is the guy who's going to move out of the rotation. So, But, but in terms of next year, uh, let's assume Correa's gone, and, and I don't see the Pirates trading him, but if he, if that allowed them to increase the value of some deal, I'm sure they would throw him into the deal. Uh, but he, he's the guy who now will be the guy when, when Neil Huntington and, and Clint Hurdle have been talking about spot starts when the Pirates play 20 or 21 games in a row. Korea now is that guy front and center who will who will make those one or two spot starts next year. So you see
0: him remaining with the team this year, is I, is, do, I guess yeah.
1: Do certainly for the time being, and then we're going to get to September, and there, at that point, there's no no point in moving him. I mean, mm-hmm. now he, he I don't see him. They're not going to they're not going to DFA him here, from here to the end of the to, from here to September first, and then there's no point in doing it. So the only way I see him leaving the team now is if it's in a transaction, and if it happens, so be it. But the Pirates don't need the salary relief. We're talking about uh, a million dollars for the rest of the year for Correa. So, uh, you know, to me, at this point now, he has a little bit of value since they've talked about these spot starts. But every spot, every every start should be under the microscope, and that'll start today with the Cubs. Next year is really intriguing, and this is what gets me so excited about this. Because, and boy, I just, you know, what gets me really excited is Neil got this deal done. If he can get a deal for a bat done, this team all of a sudden – Uh, looks interesting for next year as well as this year. But uh, let's put AJ, and I I think whether you start J-Mac in the opening day or AJ on opening day, assuming everybody's healthy, you slot Wandy in there as the second guy, so you mix up the two righties. And then you go the other guy third, and you have Jeff Karstens, if he can stay healthy and, and continue to be effective. Let's pencil him in as number four. And then you have, I think what is really fun to think about, is on July 1st, Garrett Cole is your fifth starter and you know that is that's great because you have guys to get you there and whether it's they take another look at Brad Lincoln whether it's they take a look at Chris LaRue who's been very effective in two outings in Indianapolis two extended outings whether they have Justin Wilson or Jeff Locke in there you have plenty of guys who you can look at for that fifth spot until you feel like Garrett Cole's ready and I have to think at this point since Garrett Cole's going to be in the starting rotation in 2014, there'll be, and I think the Super Two stuff goes away. There's going to be very little harm, uh, assuming he makes the progress we expect in getting him up at some point early next year. So that rot- rotation, all of a sudden, looks really good. And then you probably you control J Mac for the next year. You control Wandy. Uh, you control Cole. Car- Carson will be arbitration guy, and and AJ would be the only guy who's a free agent. So you can start to see your rotation, and then at that point you get to start discussing Jameson Tyo. So the Pirates' pitching, uh, you know, as we look forward at the starting rotation, has taken a a a, a solid step forward. I think with the deal last night.
0: Yeah. So in in 2013, it, it basically looked like, uh, you know, before this trade, it basically looked like the Pirates were going to have to. Be pretty active on the free agent market this offseason in getting you know at least one starter. Now what you'd expect them to do is is to have a lot less urgency as uh, they they um, try to upgrade the rotation. I think they'll still can I think they'll still probably try to do it in the free agent market. But they don't, as you mentioned, they don't really need to. They have a lot of guys they can they can take a look at. Justin Wilson would be certainly a, a, an interesting rotation candidate. Jeff Locke is maybe a little bit less inspiring of one, but if you have to put him at the back of your rotation, it's not a disaster. And then we have Cole. So they're they're in a much better place than they than they they were, you know, with with him there.
1: And, and Charlie, we did you know we haven't mentioned Bedard with just the assumption that he's going to be a free agent and the pirates right. won't resign him but you know we'll see what happens these last eight or ten starts i guess if he pitches well you know would you would you offer him five million dollars to come back
0: i yeah i would i i think that when a lot of what he's done in the past couple months concerns me certainly but if he bounces back as we go down the stretch then sure i mean he has a long history of being a pretty good pitcher when he's healthy and you if know he can
1: give you 180 innings this year, and, and he's pitches like he has the last two starts, yeah, I mean, I think then all of a sudden you don't have any cares going in to next year. You've got a lot of depth to, from which to deal in the off either.
0: Yeah, and and just having depth is no crime. I mean, we're not used to having uh, Pirates teams that actually have depth, um, but you know, there's no there's no absolutely no problem with with having Justin Wilson uh, and Jeff Locke and Brad Lincoln. All available to to pitch in the rotation but not actually doing so and you know so uh so yeah i would definitely consider bringing bedard back at this point though i i I do think it's unlikely
1: all right so give me your take on the on the guys the pirates gave up
0: colton kane uh who cares basically um i think that you know he has an outside shot at being a fifth starter someday so you know who cares Rudy Owens is probably, he's you know certainly going to have some sort of big league career, or almost certainly going to have some sort of big league career.
1: And we assume, we both assume here that even though the Astros, all these guys, by the way, got sent to where the, the Pirates had them, the same level. Grossman, well, I don't know where they are. but Cor- Christi. Corpus Christi. Corpus yeah. and, uh, Christi and Kane goes to Lancaster and, and Rudy Owens goes to Oklahoma City. But w- you and I both agree, he's going to get some starts in September, if not sooner. Yeah, I,
0: I would think so. On a team that's that's rebuilding like that, and with with as much uh, experience in the high minors as he has, yeah, I think they've got to do it. I mean, he's not he's not all that young anymore either. The thing is, though, with with Owens, yeah, he's probably going to be he's going to have a major league career, but he's going to be a, a back of the rotation guy. I think the you know if you look at Zach Duke's career, that represents a good outcome for him. At, I mean,
1: at is, is Paul Maholm his ceiling at this it, point?
0: Yeah, I think that uh, yes. And if you look at the Astros' situation, um, Kevin Cree had a really good uh, point at, at Pirates Prospects yesterday. That if, you, if you look at what's going to happen with the Astros, if they play, uh, Owens is a left-handed starting pitcher who is a flyball pitcher who's going to be moving to a stadium where the left field wall is about four feet behind him. <laughs> and he's going to be um, pitching in the American League next year, against good teams, I mean, really good teams like the Rangers and Angels who have guys who can hit the ball out of the park um, without much of a problem. This is a big career. I mean, I think this trade is a big career problem for Owens. I think that he would have been uh, potentially a functional fourth or fifth starter in in Pittsburgh, but it's, you know, he's going to have some kind of major league career, but it's going to be really tough for him in Houston.
1: Yeah, you know what's interesting is that uh, Wandy, uh, I'll get this right sooner or later, one, he had better numbers at home, which is, you know, he's not a fly ball pitcher necessarily, but uh, yes, you're right. You're right to point all of that out. And I think the Pirates picked the right guy. Uh, I've told you oftentimes how unimpressed I was with Locke last year, but I think he has uh, a little bit more upside than Owens. But, but uh, we talk about ceilings all the time. We don't talk about floors. I do think Rudy Owens is going to uh, – has potentially – maybe the longest career of the three guys, because Wilson's a, a bit of a wild card. He is the highest ceiling by far. Grossman, you mean. Well, no, I'm talking about the three pitchers. The oh, Pirates got it, yeah, okay. AAA. So it, Wilson has the highest ceiling uh, by far, but Locke is probably number two there, and but Owens is probably the one with the, the highest floor. And so if, if everybody was at their floor, at least Owens is going to pitch probably a couple years in the major leagues where it's possible the other two guys don't.
0: Right. Um, that's I, th- I definitely agree with that uh, the, the flip side of that is is that you know the ceiling there is is so low that you know if he's going to be a fourth or fifth starter you'd like to think that the pirates can acquire those types of players on the free agent market and that they can continue to do that that they can get their eric bedard who is, you know really a better pitcher than owens you know pretty much every year on the free agent market and that uh, therefore they can trade you know Getting somebody like Owens to pitch for the league minimum if you need a back of the rotation guy does have value, but if you can get them on the free agent market, it does allow you to to trade somebody like that
1: yeah and and in terms of Grossman, uh, you know as I said, Keith Law is kind of the outlier in the industry in terms of uh, his ceiling, but Grossman was very good in the Arizona Fall Lakes since his suspension since the beginning of June. He's been the guy that we saw in Bradenton last year. He's going to have a major league career. He's going to get a chance now. Whether that ends up as a fourth outfielder, uh, a corner guy, or a center fielder uh, for a short period of time, I don't know. I, and, and that's why I think for them that he's the he's the upside guy in the deal. Uh, if you know, I think his ceiling is certainly uh, well above Alex Presley. And whether it's uh, you know Starling Marte, as Keith Law might suggest, may- they have similar ceilings. I don't know, but I think you know the Pirates gave something up there, and and uh, we'll see how quickly he gets up to Houston. I wouldn't think he is in the major leagues until September of next year. He'll he'll finish the year at Double A, probably start next year in Triple A, and depending on performance, could get called up sometime during the year. And as you said, Colton Kane, who cares? I I, I say you know Colton Kane. You know, flip a coin. Your guess is as good as mine, but doesn't have the overpowering velocity. Doesn't have any plus pitches. You know, he's 21, so there's there's a chance. There's room for uh, maturity and growth. But you know, he, if he never if if he, if he never makes the major leagues, that wouldn't surprise me either.
0: Right. Yeah. I I, I mean, I'm not uh, giving up on him completely. I I just don't think he's a player with very much value at this point. I mean, obviously Grossman's the interesting guy. He's the guy who who gives me pause. I'm a a little bit less uh, enamored with Grossman than I think most Pirates fans are, in part because so much of his value in the minor leagues uh, has been based around his strike zone approach, you know, basically working a lot of deep counts, um, striking out a fair amount, but also walking a ton, and, you know, if he could do that at the major league level, that would potentially be the beginnings of a, a pretty valuable major league package, but I'm just skeptical of, of players who do that in the minor leagues because it's it's really hard to continue to do that in the majors when you have pitchers who know what they're doing. So you know, I would much prefer Marte who who his value right now as a prospect is built much more around his well, not only his defense, but but his ability to hit for average and his developing power. Um, than a player like like Grossman, who you know is based at this point so much around the walks. I mean, Grossman is, you know, if you if you think about the way people characterized uh, the prospects that the A's acquired in the Moneyball draft in 2002, you know, Grossman is very much that type of player. And if you're if you're the sort of person who fetishizes walks, I guess Grossman is the right prospect for you. But for me, he doesn't do so much and. Uh, there was a lot of uh, discussion yesterday about him potentially staying in center field, which was news to me. I mean, I'd always imagined that he's a corner outfielder, and if he's going to be a corner outfielder, he probably needs to bump up his ability to hit for average and, he's, and his ability to hit for power, or else it's going to be tough for him to stay in the major leagues that long. He's he shown signs that he can do it, but I'm I'm pretty skeptical.
1: So, so that's the deal, and we'll see what happens with Correa today. We'll see how the, the starting rotation. Uh, shakes out for the rest of the year. But I think it's pretty clear <clears throat> how that how that's going to work out. And I think going forward, the guy that I think is most uncertain still, even though he's been unbelievable, is Brad Lincoln and what his role will be. It'll be interesting to see in the offseason if the Pirates decide that they want to give him one more shot or if, he's, uh, if he is going to be, I hate to say relegated because you're not relegated when you're pitching like he's pitching, but he's, he's permanently in the pen. Okay, Charlie, so let's just talk about a couple other things here. A lot of names being thrown around. Offensively, this team has pretty much come out. Uh, let's toss the Colorado series out because you're playing at Coors. This team has come out and hit like they hit in April now, uh, having lost two games to the Cubs. Uh, the Milwaukee series mm-hmm. uh, was a bit meh, and the Colorado series, they did win two out of three. And it's been uh, it's been a little shaky since then. They, they won two of the games against – uh, whoever they just played at home, I'm drawing a blank, um, the Marlins, but the Marlins gave us four runs without a hit in a game where we scored four runs. And in another run, uh, the next game they got shut out. And last night, another tough loss to, to Paul Mulholland, who pitched quite well. So what do you think about this offense? What do you think of Casey McGee? What do you think of Starling Marte? Where, where do, where do they go?
0: I, again, when, when uh, we, we've talked about this before, when, when, you have these little micro trends that don't really make up a whole lot of sense when you stack them up next to each other. The thing to do is to look at the totality, and what we have basically is is a below average, although not disastrous, offensive team with you know one basically Michael Jordan type player to carry them. Um, so, you know, the, I think they do need to continue to look for offensive help. I'd like to see that be an outfielder because it would be really good to see. Garrett Jones and McGee back in uh, a, basically a platoon at first base. I mean, McGee is starting against way too many righties right now. That's not really what he ought to be doing. And then, of course, really,
1: he has really fallen off since the break.
0: Right, right. And then, of course, the, there's the outfield situation, which, which we've talked about quite a lot. And it's going to help the, the uh, starters as well to have real outfielders in there. That, that, to me, obviously starts with Starling Marte at some point, and we've both said that he should pretty much be up in the majors by now. I'd, I'd like to see them acquire an outfielder, and I, I think the guy who makes the most sense at this point is Shane Victorino.
1: He does. A lot of connection to him, and the, the reports are from Rob Beer Temple that uh, they would do the deal for Brad Lincoln, and the Pirates offered Jared Hughes. I wouldn't do the deal for Brad Lincoln. I you know, I don't know that I love the deal for Hughes, but I think I'd pull the trigger. The question is, would you include somebody like Curry or somebody like that uh, in order to get it done? What are your thoughts?
0: Yes, um, I, I definitely would. I mean, you're, you're talking about somebody who's not a top 10 prospect, who pretty much falls under the same basic category in terms of value as as someone like Owens or someone like, uh, Colton Cain, I'm absolutely fine with trading that type of player. It's it's when we start to get into elite prospects like uh, your Allen Hansen or your, your um, Alan Hansens or your or your Starling Marte's that it becomes a problem for me. So, yeah, I, I, I would definitely toss in a, a sort of decent to fringy prospect in order to make that deal happen. Um, I I I'm not sure what the Phillies prospects for trading uh, Victorino at this point are, but I have to think they're pretty good. So
1: Remind yeah, me, he's a free agent at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, and he's making, uh, I believe he's it's nine nine point five million this year. So yeah. probably enough that the salary at this point is pretty annoying to the Phillies, especially since he hasn't hit like he has in the past. But the good thing about him is that he's he's a real outfielder, a real defensive outfielder. Mm-hmm. So, you know, even if his offense remains at his depressed two thousand twelve levels, he plays defense well well enough that he's he's still going to be an asset, especially when compared to the Drew Suttons of the world.
1: Yeah, so this will be the interesting thing now that the Pirates have really added some salary for next year because we can look at A.J. and and uh, Wandi making, each making roughly $8 million. Uh, you've got other guys getting raises. Joel Hamrahan is going to be an interesting issue. We've got some real salary things. The Pirates could be looking at a $70 million payroll next year. Uh, so you wonder if in, in it, adding guys here, with Upton apparently off the table, and you know Willingham and Morneau and other guys that have been linked, as bats available. If the Pirates really will look for a guy who is a more a rental player, in this case, uh, taking a different approach. So
0: I, yeah, and actually, if I can jump in here, I think that that the possibly the structure of the Wandy uh, de Rodriguez deal points to that possibility because uh, the Pirates are only paying him 1.7 million dollars down the stretch this year with the Astros taking on I believe 2.3 million. Correct. So, you know, that and with the Pirates paying, you know, a greater percentage of Rodriguez's salary in 2013-2014, so that points to me that points me to the possibility that the Pirates are considering adding a rental player this year to add to add more salary potentially yeah, for, and- for 2012.
1: And they took on a lot of salary last year, so uh, you know mm-hmm. if they took on, I mean, it, it, but even if you look at Victorino's numbers, uh, we're going to be two, you know, roughly, too, you know, I I'll use two thirds just to make it easy. So we're still only, t- I mean, I don't want to say only; it's not my money, but it's three million dollars, so it's not all that significant. Whereas if you were to get a, a it would be slightly more for some other guys, but I don't think any rental player will be too expensive. Let me throw a ridiculous one at you, Charlie. Is there any chance? With 18 million left for the next two years, that the Pirates would consider taking Alfonso Soriano. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I think there's probably a chance. I haven't followed how he's done recently, but I, I think that so many fans have been dismissive of the possibility that I'm. Uh, I've kind of dismissed it myself, but I'm not sure there's a good reason for that. What do you, What do you think?
1: Well, I, you know, I, again, here's the thing: the Cubs will eat all the sour. They'll eat, eat so much in the next two years. I mean, I could see them saying, "We'll pay you." Uh, let's, let's discount this year's salary and I shouldn't, it's $6 million, but let's discount it. Well, let's say the Cubs pay two of this year. Uh, if they paid uh, 12 of the next two years, so the pirates are paying six a year for the next two years. Is that something you'd consider now? If they're going to, if they're going to eat that much, they're going to want something back. Uh, and you know, if let's say we take the top five guys off the table, but are you, would you pretty much uh, give a package of anybody else who's left?
0: That's a that's a tough one. I I mean, my preference and it's probably a France preference more than anything else is for the Pirates to to take on salary rather than to to give up prospects. Right. Um, And, you know, the the chance for them to to, you know, give up a prospect and then have Soriano totally fall apart on them for the next two years uh, would be pretty, pretty scary, I think. At the same time. I'm um, looking at his stats now. I mean, he's been three wins above replacement this year, and you he's know, been
1: great. His defense has been, you know, look a small sample size, but his UZR numbers are good. And of course, he's not a good defensive outfielder, but yeah, he's been good this year.
0: Yeah, so you know, yeah, I do. I do think you'd have to consider giving up a prospect or two as long as it wasn't one of the top guys.
1: I'll tell you, at the end of the day, the reason the deal doesn't get done is because he has two years left and not one. I think the Pirates would take the flyer on one year. I just feel like uh, two years of having him around is is a lot riskier. I, I You know, his power is enticing. It, you know, he can just hit it out. You know, he hit two doubles the other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he I think he hit one out last night. I don't even remember. But, uh, his not, you know, his power stroke is enticing when he's on. That's a bat in the middle of the lineup. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about what you're going to have. If you didn't have to give up Marte, your outfield is Soriano, McCutcheon, and Marte. Uh, and that's basically that becomes your two, three, and four hitters, and you put Alvarez behind that at five, and you know things can you know Walker hitting six, and all of a sudden you're like that's a real lineup. I mean, you know you got to find a leadoff hitter, but it's interesting. It's interesting.
0: So he's so he signed through 2014, is that right?
1: Yeah. 18 a year.
0: Right. I, I mean, I I do think that there's some. I think you're right to point out that that the fact that he's under contract for two more years could be a problem in that, you know, Rodriguez is also under contract, essentially, through 2014. I, I think there's a a, a danger here of, of potentially going overboard with financial commitments into the future and, you know, forgetting about the lessons of the 2003 Royals that you don't want to go too crazy pursuing these types of players these types of of older players when you're you're looking at your first 500 season in a while because it it might not be that way next year and the last thing i want to watch is a 2014 pirates team with you know Wander rodriguez and alfonso soriano being uh, aging and and overpaid center, while the team is center, bad center, you
1: know right, centerpieces of the team yeah no right qu- no question and i at the end of the day i think that's why it doesn't get done let me just close up by asking you one question here. You posted something I posted something about this. I wrote about it at the end of end of uh end of May now, so uh when I first discussed Tabata's work work ethic and what it looked like on the field, we now have r- ridiculously bad reports uh, will Fleming, the broadcaster for the Indianapolis Indians, basically, and I don't want to say throw him under the bus because I think throw somebody under the bus uh has a connotation that, that
0: implies he didn't deserve it.
1: yeah that it's untrue. <laughs> I mean I think this is just reporting that it's what he's seen has been you know ghastly for lack of a better term uh lack of effort lack of uh engagement everything bad
0: And and Neil Huntington basically confirming that and and saying that basically seeing that that Tabata doesn't doesn't want to be down there So
1: you know he didn't say that to me on Friday but he 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 blamed it all on the injury but clearly it's not all on the injury
0: Right no he's I think he said that in the Beer Temple article this week so you know, at this point, I mean, the 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 Pirates have basically confirmed what fans have seen all along—that basically he's being lazy. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's really unprofessional. Nothing good to say about that.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, there's nothing to add, but I, I just think it's worth pointing out. He's clearly—I don't think you'd call him up in September. Uh, under these scenarios, and and I talked to Neil on Friday about, you know, Neil, what are you going to do? Is this a situation where, for the first time, this really benefits the Pirates being able to expand the rosters? Do you go to 33 or 34 guys? With the understanding, obviously, all these guys need to be on the 40-man roster. And we have Doug Slayton, who, who you know, he may be the, the most famous 4A pitcher in history if he keeps up what he's done. He is a 0.28 ERA down in Indy. He, he I, his numbers are unbelievable, so he's not on the forty man. Chris Larue's not on the forty man. Jeff Clement's not on the forty man. All these guys need to come up because they can help the team in September, don't you think?
0: Yeah, um, I I think that you're you're going to see definitely the additions of potentially a couple players who are are not on the forty man roster. I think there are some players they can lose from the roster without really worrying about it too much. Um, but at the same time, you know, going back to to Tabata. The way things are going, and with, with what the Pirates have said and with what we've seen, I don't see Tabata coming up in, in September. I think that, you know, to some degree, the Pirates are going to treat it as a, a reward for real effort, and he hasn't given it. So I, I think he, his season's probably going to be done here in six weeks or so.
1: Charlie, let, let's finish off with one thing because you and I have been, I think, supportive of the front office's approach. For the tenure that Neil Huntington has been here, and I think both of us, along with a lot of other people, turned very skeptical through April and May, and now this team is is where it is. Uh, I still will tell you right now, today, I don't think they're a playoff game. Uh, Wandy Rodriguez may add a, a you know a, a marginal win versus what the Pirates were going to have, but when you only get nine or so ten starts, it's hard to have that much of an impact. If they add a bat, I may change my tune and say that they they can be a playoff team. I mean, I think if they added Hunter Pence or even Victorino, maybe they become co-favorites with the Reds. I, I, don't, I don't see them surpassing the Reds with what they can add. What's your thoughts on Neil Huntington right at this point in time?
0: Wow, well, it's, it's complicated. I think that, you know, as we've, we've mentioned, his approach is basically right, and as if the Pirates are going to be um, a competitive team, the importance of approach is actually more important than, than it is when they're not a competitive team and they have to depend heavily on scouting of, of players in the minors. I'm still still very skeptical of the Pirates general approach in the draft. I don't know if they've spent all that money wisely, but the the amount of talent they seem to have added through Latin America is at this point partially making up for that. So,
1: and it's been really good. It seems like they are really developed. They've developed some real talent out of Latin America.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, at this point, I, I definitely feel better about him than I, I did a, a, a couple months ago. I mean, I don't want to change my position radically based on a couple of months, and I still have, uh, you know, a fair amount of skepticism about it. But at some point, you know, they're twelve. You, you got to say, you know, they're twelve points above. 12 games above 500 and and if you're going to you know go crazy in your criticism of him this is not the time
1: yeah right i, I think it's tough to be critical of Neil huntington right now great stuff charlie uh and all of you remember to Char- follow charlie on at bucks dugout you can follow me at dt on pirates and we'll be back to you probably at the end of the week if not sooner if there's more breaking news thanks for listening